Hello, we're back again with the Rugby Collective podcast, myself and Will. We're looking a little bit at the uh, European final, because obviously the semi-finals were last weekend, and then looking forward to the last weekend of full Premiership rugby. Will, did you enjoy this weekend of um, European semi-finals? Um, I know the games potentially weren't as exciting or as close as many people were hoping or wanting, but still good rugby. Yeah, for sure. And I don't think it's very often that you get to see these players completing at club level against players of the same stature, you know. So I think you saw a lot of France and a lot of Ireland in terms of national teams, didn't you, this weekend? Which was nice to see. Um, and yeah, I know we've given this tournament a little bit of shit over the, uh, over the season because there's been a lot of dull weekends, haven't there, with, uh, with sort of dead rubber fixtures and things. But once we get to these stages, I think the quarterfinals especially kicked back up a bit, didn't it? And then the semi-finals saw a couple of heavyweights collide, which I'm sure we'll jump into in a moment. But no, I did enjoy it, and it was nice to, um, yeah, nice to see so many big names playing against each other. You know, you don't see it very often. Yeah, I feel like maybe it was a little bit anticlimactic because of yeah maybe the results, um, and obviously neither game being particularly close. But um, I guess that's kind of to be expected, especially in the extra game. Um, I'm not sure many people well. Didn't you back exit? No, you back to lose, didn't you? In the predictions, um, back so you, to lose over. Yeah, I did. I did. I did. You back, back to lose, to lose yeah. over Leinster. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, you are right. Anyway, on to before we get onto that, on to my weekly roundup of news. Um, not much this week. Uh, a one signing, I think. Major, well, not major signing, but one signing of note. Um, Ealing have signed another um, Gloucester player to go along with. Uh, Billy Swarftree, they made Geordie Reed. Uh, that's been confirmed. It was kind of well well known that was going to happen, but being definitely confirmed this week. Um, he's gone to Ealing, um, which just makes them even stronger looking uh, and looking potentially good for next season. Um, and obviously, we this season we learned, uh, this season this weekend we learned Jersey Reds were the uh, championship team, uh, winning team. So that um, so yeah, they're going to have to come back stronger. Yeah, absolutely. And they've got a hell of a side for a championship side, um, especially with the new additions. And But yeah, credit to Jersey Reds, because I think everyone wrote off everyone apart from Ealing, didn't they? So credit yeah. to them to come over and top the table, because that is a, yeah, a great achievement. Just a shame it's not rewarded with a promotion as well. It is a little bit, but it kind of makes Ealing's point a bit mute about them. Um, not qualifying. Yeah, about I do, them, oh, I you do. can't go up because you're not letting us go up, but then you don't, don't win the league like... Yeah, I know we hinted at this earlier on in the season when it was more of a talking point, James. But um, the uh, I saw a few comments, basically negative comments, saying why didn't Jersey Reds apply to go up to the Premiership if they if they were in with a chance of winning it, and now they have won it, but because they haven't appealed for it, they they're not able to go up. But then the response is they don't qualify to go up, so they're not applying, which I think is completely fair enough. And then it also makes the mind wonder why Ealing are repetitively applying with the same specs as they had last season, which they told they weren't allowed up. They're not going to, surely if, if you apply for it enough, they're not just going to let you let you up anyway, even though you don't follow the, the rules that are, are there for, well, supposedly for a reason. So, yeah, it does make you wonder why why they are continually appealing to go up when when it's clearly not, not happening. Yeah. Um, I don't really understand 
But um, yeah, I can understand why people are questioning Jersey because obviously you wouldn't want to go up, but it's already been well stated as well that, that this season there was no relegation and promotion. Um, that was that was stated anyway. So uh, I think it's pretty obvious why. Um, and then also we said about Ealing having to get come back stronger. Obviously Wasps are going into the championship next year. Um, so it's going to make it even more difficult. Yeah. But, what, they're a bit of an unknown quantity, aren't they? We don't know how Wasps are going to look next season. You'd imagine they'll be a strong force just because of the name, um, I would imagine. Yeah, I honestly can't call it. Really, really can't call it. But um, Yeah. Yeah, it, yeah well, obviously, it's, it's too early to tell but because I don't know what players they've still got on their books, how many of those players they're allowed to keep on, um, obviously, with contract situations and stuff. Um, I don't know if they had to like kind of get rid and re-sign them all or how that's kind of worked. But um, yeah, it, it should be competitive as it always is in the championship. Um, but congratulations, congratulations, congratulations to Jersey. Um, and also maybe the other thing is they didn't apply because they know realistically it probably just goes straight back down. Well, maybe. Well, it, it, it honestly depends, doesn't it? You, you never really know. They, they might have lucked out and then got promoted this season and then they decided to fully bring sense. <laughs> Can you imagine that? Imagine you yeah. get a lucky promotion. Well, I don't want to say a lucky promotion because they obviously earn their spot at the top. But they get a promotion at a lucky, fortunate time and then get ring fence. So they're then permanently a Prem Cup. That'd be nice, wouldn't it? Well, it would be for them and for their fans. Also, awkward to get to for every other club. So <laughs> Yeah, for sure. Uh, and looking at other news, uh, moving on from that, um, talking of all this sort of uh, relegation and all that sort of thing, it's been confirmed today, I believe, that uh, Atlas have completed their takeover of Worcester. Um, now, what that means completely, I'm unsure what it means for them going forward. I don't really know either. Yeah. But um, they're under new ownership officially, I believe, from today. Yeah, I think a lot of the details are still waiting to come out, especially as we're recording. It's been very recent that the uh, the takeover has been confirmed. I think BBC have broke the news that that has been a that takeover has been confirmed. So we're waiting sort of on further details to that. But all we know so so far is these Atlas boys are pretty cowboyish in the way that they've dealt with things so far. So um, yeah, I don't think. I don't think Worcester fans are particularly chuffed that it's them taking them forward. I think most of them would have opted for uh, a Steve Diamond and his consortium that was being rumoured. Um, but there we go. We'll have to wait and see. But it, it doesn't sound particularly positive. But the shining light is hopefully Worcester will have some form of club going forward. But how that will look is, uh, yeah, very and at least much it's still Worcester. Well, we don't know if it will be though. Is the thing. Well, it should be because I think I think the fans' backlash against that six ways thing or whatever they were going to call it. Um, yeah, with the merger with uh, Stourbridge, I believe it was, wasn't it? But then it's... Yeah, I don't really know. I have but no idea. But what the, the question is as well, we don't know where they're going to end up. And if they've missed sort of deadlines which have been postponed and everything, a lot of people are saying they should go to the bottom of the pyramid, which is, I wonder how keen they'll be to throw a load of money into a team who are sat at the bottom of the uh, bottom of the rugby pyramid. So it's... It's, yeah, look, we don't we don't know a lot of details right now. Well, for we know they. I'm pretty sure we know they can't go into the championship next year. Yeah, did they uh, miss that deadline? They missed the champ deadline, right? Yeah, they missed the champ deadline, so I don't think they can go in there. Um, so whether that means they go into national one, um, or yeah, level nine, I guess at the bottom. But 
I can't imagine that happening, not with that stadium. Like they couldn't play in that stadium at the very lowest level, could they? But who knows? Um, Interesting. Uh, a couple, well, not really even a couple. Oh, we don't really talk about um, contract renewals, but I thought an interesting one, Courtney Laws has extended his contract with Northampton, obviously a big one. Um, they're influential whenever he's on the pitch, obviously not being on the pitch enough recently, but um, big good news for them. Uh, and then the rest of the news really is just uh, some retirements. Uh, I'm not sure if they're expected or not, uh, but three old, yeah, three old potential legends probably of each team. Um, Jackson Ray from Saracens, John O'Ross from Sale, who are both 32. And maybe this one's expected a bit more, but um, Dave Atwood, who I believe is 35, so a bit more um, getting on a bit. But yeah, Dave Atwood obviously playing for Bath, but obviously playing for Bristol among others. Um, yeah, they've all announced that they're retiring at the end of the season um, this week. So they're going to be three big losses from the Premiership and from their teams. Yeah, absolutely they are. Um, yeah, I didn't see them. I didn't see them coming really. I knew Dave Atwood was probably. The closest, but I didn't see John O'Ross or Jackson Ray going. And I think focusing on those two first before we look at Dave Atwood, but they they've still been crucial for their team this season. So it's yeah, it's a shame to see see them call it a day. I wonder whether if the salary cap was was what it was before, and these clubs could offer them a little bit more money, a bit something a bit more worthwhile to stay in the game, they would have gone for it. Um, but yeah, it'd be a shame if they've had to call their career early because of these contract decisions. But um yeah, fantastic players, as you say, probably club legends as well. Um, and uh, yeah, Atwood obviously been a been about in the Premiership for ages and, and been very strong in doing so. So it's sad to see him go as well. But he's had a, a hell of a shift. So yeah, I hope they all have uh, thoroughly enjoyable uh, retirements. Yeah, but the only thing I could say, I guess it must be time because, especially uh, Jackson Ray and and um, John O'Ross. The level they've still be competing at this season, they could definitely go to a France and get paid more money if they wanted to, and really, really wanted to keep going. So, so, yeah. So I'd imagine that um, it is down to just they've had enough, and their bodies taken enough beat of a beating because all three, the way they play, it's very physical game style. It's going to take it out of you. Obviously, we've seen Jackson Ray with a nasty neck injury um, last season, and yeah, they probably all had enough. <laughs> Yeah, and you can't blame them, really. No, their bodies are probably stuffed. Um, and that is everything, really. Um, a bit of a slow news week, but we obviously had some brilliant European rugby. Um, yeah, let's dive into the Leinster game first. Um, yes, good place to A start. little bit disappointing. I think this is the bigger disappointment, really. Um, obviously, the La Rochelle-Exeter game kind of was expected the result and what happened there i think this was the big blockbuster a lot of people said this should have been the final um potentially the best two teams in the competition no disrespect to la rochelle there but ultimately it kind of ended up being a bit one-sided yeah well i think to start with there's a couple of factors you need to look at well i think the one factor that we need to look at to start with with toulouse is the early injury um the early injury to uh, Paul Grow, Paul Grow, can't pronounce his name, um, essentially led to a switch up in the back, in the back line, which saw everyone essentially shift outright. So I think Dupont went to ten, Untermatt went to twelve, um, 
acumen to 13, etc. Um, great, you've got players who can do a job in those positions. However, you're playing the best team in the world and you kind of want your best players to be in their best positions. And I don't think they had that. And even though they adapted okay, they didn't, they weren't as on it as they probably would have been if that injury didn't occur. But saying that, that's the risk you play, take when you go for a 6-2 bench, isn't it? If you have that 6-2 split, then you know you're going to have to make amendments if someone does go get injured or, or maybe you get a yellow card or something like that. You're going to have to make those amendments. Um, so, yeah, yeah, unfortunate for Toulouse, but they took a risk and it didn't quite pay off in that front. Well, that's the, that is the curious thing, I think, with this 6-2 split. Now, I don't know the Toulouse... Um, squad that well, so maybe they were having a few injury, they've got a few injury problems in the backs or that sort of thing, so maybe it was more that sort of decision based, And uh, but normally you see 6-2 teams uh, 6-2 based on teams like South African teams a team like a Sale, where they have a monster, monster pack. Now Leinster obviously have an unreal pack, but you wouldn't say size wise, it's particularly huge um, even a La Rochelle potentially you look at this, Leinster haven't got a, a, a pack that you'd say is particularly massive. So, yeah, I guess that was potentially um, a faux pas looking back on it. But obviously, it's all it, it's all uh, easy with hindsight. When you when you go into the game, maybe they think, oh, if we can get a bit of phys, uh, physical dominance, which they did to a point in the scrum at times, um, then suddenly they can work off that. And as soon as you give any front football to Untermack and DuPont, you suddenly got a much bigger chance of winning um, the game. Yeah. The only thing I will say on the big pack theory is they do have an Emmanuel Miafi, who is an absolute man mountain. And he showed it on, on this weekend. He was a, yeah. Huge, yeah no, that's huge, what I'm saying. Leinster have a slightly smaller back. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I just wanted to highlight Emmanuel Miafi because he is awesome. And I believe he's also Australia qualified and France qualified. So it'll be interesting to see if either of them pick him well, up going into the so World Cup. Have you not heard the story, basically? I don't know. Um, Please enlighten Eddie, me. Eddie Jones, as soon as he got in the, the job, basically phoned him up and went, mate, do you want to come and play for Australia? And he went, nah, it's too late. I'm playing for France. Oh, really? Yeah, apparently. That is how it went. Um, oh, that's pretty interesting. But the thing is, I don't see if he, I don't think he gets into the France pack. Well, there's lots of speculation about whether he'll get in for the World Cup um, or, or not, but who knows? But apparently, yeah, that was how it went that um, Eddie Jones, as soon mm. as he got in, wanted to see if he'd come and, and play for them. And they were, he was kind of like, no, I'm going well, to. Is, that is a shame because I would have loved to see a Miafu and Scout and second row pair. That would be. Pretty monstrous, wouldn't it? You got three second rows. Who's got a better chance of winning the World Cup, Australia or France? Yeah, probably although, France. Although you say that, but then Australia probably got a better chance of being getting to the final. Because... Yeah, well, you look at you look at Eddie Jones' record. The thing is, I think oh. Australia are going to be a threat anyway with just Eddie not, Jones in spot. It's not nothing to do with Eddie Jones. It's the teams Australia has to play. I think Australia will have to play obviously yeah, Wales and the group, but then. England and Argentina are on their side of the draw, whereas you look at France's side of the draw, and they've got South Africa, Ireland, and um, New Zealand in their side. So, <laughs> yeah, fair, fair. So Australia have probably a better chance. It's like England. England realistically going into this tournament shouldn't have a chance, but if you get to a final, which is 
probably if, if you look at England, Australia, Wales, and Argentina, England may be the favorite going into that. Um, as soon as you get to the final, there's a chance that you might win that game. So, yeah, no, you're absolutely right. And it's not like I love how everyone in the media talks about Australia like being this massive underdog who have no good players and is like makes them sound like a really, really shit team. But in reality, they're still they've still got a hell of a squad available to them. Um, oh, yeah. And they've had so many injuries over the last 12 months, which has really hindered their team. Yeah, exactly that. So it'll be a yes, I'm looking forward to that. And we will be doing a lot more World Cup uh, content closer to the time as we run up into that. Because, yeah, yes. we are uh, yes, very um, excited for that one. But yeah, back onto this game. And yeah, the main major point, I guess, was the Toulouse yellow cards. Um, nearly all of the scoring, um, really, especially the first half. Was it three tries or was it four? Um, I think it was three in the yellow card period. Yeah, T- Thomas Ramos got a yellow card in the 15th and they scored two tries in the 16th and 20th and then they scored a try in the 26th just after he came back on. Um, so I think we should look at that. First yellow card. And then, oh, sorry, just to just to put in as well, the second yellow card, 56th. They scored in the 57th and 63rd. So they actually scored all of their tries whilst Toulouse were down players, pretty much. Yeah, that's a bit nuts, to be fair. They, they were just extremely clinical. Did you also notice the sort of changes? So I think they were taking points when Toulouse were at full noise. And then every time that they had a yellow... When they had a penalty with a yellow card, they were going straight to the corner. And they were just taking full advantage of that man, man up. Um, yeah. Which worked really well. But that Thomas Ramos uh, yellow card, thoughts? Oh, it's a yellow card all day. Um, I think it is. If you watch rugby, it's a blatant yellow card. Oh, um, because he's gone for it one-handed. If you don't, if you go for it one-handed nowadays and you don't catch the ball, it's a it's a deliberate knock-on. And um, and there was a man over who had a line break, and as soon as there's a line break, it's a yellow card. So it's clear, clear as day. I don't think it's a yeah. I don't think it's a deliberate knock-on though. Yeah, but it is every game. If you go for a ball one-handed and you don't catch it, it's a deliberate knock-on. Yeah, but his hands up. He's going to scoop it, and then it bounces doesn't off. So then he goes to reek. Oh, I don't know, James. It doesn't matter how every time you it go. Doesn't for matter if he go if he's going for a legitimate catch and he knocks it on. That's very different to yeah, swatting the ball. As soon as you down. go for it one-handed, it's a deliberate knock-on. It has been all season. It has been for about two or three years. I don't know. I think a yellow card's harsh. I don't. Any other game. It's a yellow card. It's it is what, what I will say is if it's given deliberate knock on and a penalty, then it has to be a yellow card, obviously. Um, but I just I just question whether it is. It's just it always is. If you watch any game now, that's a yellow card just because of the nature of it. Okay, okay. I think we'll have to agree to disagree on that one. Well, it's not even disagreeing. It's factual at this point. It's it's whether I I'm not saying it's necessarily correct. But that is just the state of the game, though, where if you go for a ball one-handed, it, it's going to be a yellow. Unless yeah, you reject I just, it. I don't know. He just looked, for me, looks to scoop it. it there's like a clear act of scooping that ball. But the, the Yeah, but then they'd argue, yeah, but look how far away, after the ball hits his hand, look how far it goes away from him. He's never catching that ball. I guess so. I guess so. I don't know, man. Feel, feels and harsh it, it for me, one, anyway. Well, it, I think it's... Obvious, a bit obvious, the fact that Wayne Barnes gave it on on field. He didn't even have to go to a replay to give a yeah, yellow. Went straight to it. 
like quite often we see with these yellow cards slow it down and for deliberate knock-ons that one it wasn't even given and I think as well when it was potentially a try as well obviously I think there was cover in the backfield which is why it wasn't a penalty try but it, it, you never know it could have taken it in and then back inside and it might be a try it was always going to be deemed a harsh one um yeah fair but I think the second one is much more uh, controversial, to be honest. The um, second one, I, I don't think I've ever seen something like the second one. No. So if you haven't seen it, uh, the second one, basically, there is a player, Netty is his name? I don't really know. Um, but he stood over a ruck, and uh, Josh van der Fleer goes to try and clear out, gets like put on his ass basically. Um, now, he's not very happy about that, obviously, being the sort of player Josh van der Fleer is. Um, and he just goes to go again, and as he does, Netty kind of steps a little bit forward, kind of to readjust to make sure he doesn't get bashed out of the way. Um, and as he does, it connects with uh, with Van der Fleer's bottom of chin, I think. Um, but yeah, I mean, it wasn't it wasn't dangerous. And he has to move forward. For me, he has to move forward and and sort of adjust because otherwise he's just going to get laid out by Van der Fleer. I think that's exactly the thing, right? So it's we look at his actions, and yes, he does move forward, and it looks like he's. If you look at his actions alone, it does look like he's going sort of in. He's leading with his head, essentially, isn't he? As he as he yeah. sort of steps forward. But if you've got Van der Fleer who's just charged at you and tried to level you, and then is rearing up to do it again. And to be fair, Josh van der Fleer is not low going into that tackle either. He's very, he's very, uh, he, he stood up, isn't he, going into that tackle? So basically, your options are you move forward, duck your head, and brace to get smashed, or you let yourself take one on the on your chin and then get put on your back and then hope something gets done about it. So I just think it's incredibly harsh for that decision to go. If if anything, I think it's probably a penalty, uh, probably a yellow card to both players. I just didn't think it needed. I didn't think it was anything, to be honest. I think it was. There's yeah, no danger. Yeah. I think there was no danger to it. Um, it wasn't head on head, and Van der Fleer's bringing all the momentum. Um, and like, I think the thing is as well, it was completely lost ruck. Um, it, it like even if he'd knocked him over, there was about two other players there. So it was just a sort of pride thing because he'd been put down on his ass. Um, Looking back on it, Van der Fleer will be like, oh, yeah, it was a clever move, tactical move. But, and also, I think it was it was also kind of controversial in the fact that at the time it was 27 17, Ramos had just kicked a penalty. And in the following play after this, because they went back to it, Ramos had just put in a kick, uh, 50 22. So, Toulouse had it's a big swing, isn't it? Toulouse had all the momentum. Um, and suddenly they go from that to. Leicester put it uh, Leinster put it in the corner, sorry. And um Josh van der Fleer actually is the one. And yeah. suddenly it's so, rather than 27-17 with probably at least a penalty for to lose to bring it to one score game, you're suddenly a 32-17 or 34-17, and the game was kind of done. Yeah, li- literally. And and I think that was Toulouse's best spell of the game as well going into that point. And that was just the momentum swing that then finished the game off, wasn't it? And I'm pretty sure they then... Did, Leinster scored off the back of it, off the penalty, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. they scored. Uh, they kicked to the corner and a pretty... Yeah, Josh van der Fleer scored. I think it was a rolling more, wasn't it? 
Yes, it was just to rub it properly in again. Um, yeah. yeah, I think that one was extremely harsh. I, I agree with you though. I don't think it potentially needed to be officiated. Stuff like that, like what's what? Yeah, I, I don't really. Yeah, I, if if that would have if they looked at that and said both players are sort of winding each other up, um, blah blah blah, we're gonna not give anything. I, I think that would have been fair. Um, one of the things as well. How easy does Van der Fleer go to the deck? Yeah, I do think that. He takes a bit of a dive. Which is not a good look for him at all. No. Because he's a pretty highly regarded player as well. So I think player of his sort of stature in the game, doing something like that is not a good look well, at all. I think it has it has started, sadly, to increase a little bit. Um, I think any... I think you've, we've seen it in quite a few games. Any connection with any player... Gets any sort of connection to the head at all? They're take they're starting to go down a bit easy, just because they know if they go down and there's any connection with the head, it'll get checked, and yeah. suddenly you might get a yellow or a red card. If you don't go down, it might get missed. So yeah. I think people have been taking it a little bit started to, which is obviously very sad. And it's quite worrying for the way the game's going as well, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So um, yeah. It is a shame, but outside of those decisions, Leinster were incredibly accurate again, as we've come to expect. Um, Decision-making was just spot on as well. Um, I think the worrying thing was when um, when Toulouse were at full numbers, I think physically they te- seemed to be gaining a fair few yards when they were keeping it sort of narrow. And then I think if you look in world rugby, which team do you not want to face if you're struggling to defend narrow, powerful attacks? Probably La Rochelle. Yeah. Yeah, and, and as you said, accuracy about Leinster, it was kind of the opposite to lose, just too loose. And obviously they, they that's sort of their style, but too many drop passes, too many knock-ons. And that, yeah, in the end, it was the two little bursts from Leinster that really did it. And that's what the elite teams do when... When you um, have that man advantage, you make the most of it. And whether it's fortuitous or not, they got the job done ultimately. And yeah, it was fairly comfortable. And unfortunately, not really the game many of us had hoped. Not even like when we watched in the end, France, oh, uh, sorry, Ireland uh, beat France fairly comfortably. But that was still a great game of rugby. Um, I'm not sure I'd say the same about that one. No, I, I definitely agree. Definitely was not the same sort of level. And then. On to the second game, um, which was obviously La Rochelle versus Exeter. And to be honest, it was what a lot of people expected. Exeter obviously not been great in the Premiership all season. Um, I think they're sixth, are they, um, in the Premiership? And it kind of looked like that, a top team against a mid-table team. And at home, La Rochelle just were very comfortable Exeter scored a couple of late tries to um, make the scoreline look a bit more respectable, but probably one of the most dominant semi-final, uh, European semi-finals you're going to see. Yeah, agree on all fronts. Um, La Rochelle, if you look at the, the La Rochelle games against English teams in the knockouts, they looked a little bit ropey against Gloucester. They looked unbelievably good against Saracens, and now they looked uh, better again against Chiefs. Um I think the thing is they didn't have as much resistance as they did in the other two games. Um, I did think when Simmons went over early doors and then shortly after um, shortly after we saw uh, the substitution for 
Levani Bottia. Um, I did think, oh, maybe this could could be Chiefs' day. But then after that, it was just just pure domination, really. And I do feel bad for Chiefs because obviously it's a credit to them to get this far in the way that they've they've done so. But yeah, they were just completely outclassed by this La Rochelle side. Yeah, and ultimately, I think it's it's kind of their season, isn't it? Um, they've been able to beat teams that are probably better than them and get some good results at home, um, as we've seen in the previous rounds of the of the tournament. But when you go away from home, they're they're a bit shaky, and ultimately, their squad isn't like if if they had somehow beaten them, like their squad is not a European finalist level, is it right now? Um, and they are, especially going into next season, really in a re- rebuild mode. Um, a lot of their long-standing players are leaving, and um, they kind of look like that. You look at their back line, and it's not one that really strikes fear to, into anyone, does it? Um, no real pace. No, apart from probably Henry Slade, no real star quality in that back line. Um, yeah, I think La Rochelle... Um, Whereas La Rochelle may have taken their foot off the gas a little bit against Gloucester and potentially underestimated Gloucester. This was a European semi-final. I don't think the same was ever. Yeah, it was very much job in insight, job complete, wasn't it, really? Yeah. Whereas in round of 16, you can kind of, ah, this team's not very good, been in awful form. It's a round of 16, you can take your eye off the ball. In a European semi-final, you're not going to. Yeah. One thing I will say though, in in to sort of provide a positive for Exeter, um, Will Backinsole looks really good, and I know we mentioned the other day, James, we've not been particularly inspired by the the chief sec- uh, scrum halves this season, um, but Will Backinsole has come in recently and been rewarded with his performances, and he looks really really smart, and he also signed a new contract last week, um, so nice to see a player of of that sort of quality coming through the academy and being rewarded with a new contract so hopefully we see more of him going forward and he gets his hands firmly on that starting jersey next year because the way he's playing at the moment I think he's probably the best nine available well yeah and and they are really going for a youthful team aren't they there um, by the look of it so hopefully we'll see a a lot of these young lads coming through um, as they build to the future absolutely Um, now we were going to do a segment where we did a, a combined length to La Rochelle team going into the fight to looking towards the final. However, we then looked at the team and take Will Skelton, maybe Lavani Bottier, and that's about it. Everyone else is pretty much from Leinster. Um, so we decided against that because what's the point in just naming Leinster's 15? Um, so instead, we're gonna look, we're gonna head towards our predictions, but do a slightly more in-depth look at the predictions. Um uh, and the games, obviously, in the Premiership going into the final, well, the final weekend, not going into, it is the final weekend um, coming up. Now, where there's no real mass, there is some good games um, and some exciting games. There should be some good rugby, especially if people, teams are playing some carefree rugby and maybe a bit of um, ex- fast, expansive stuff. Um First, looking, we're going to look at the two games that probably mean the most um, we're in the hunt for Europe. Uh, we're going to look at Bath, our uh, hosting Saris at the Wreck. Now, it's going to be a difficult game, obviously, but it, I think this one will really depend on what Saris decide 
what sort of team we see from Saris, how how rested they're going to be. Yeah, I can't see Saracens going anything other than rested, to be honest. You say that, um, but they've had a week off, haven't they? Well, so maybe put a couple of minutes in the legs and... Yeah, you see, you don't want to give them two... You don't maybe two weeks off before a big semi-final. Can Saris not finish top, or is it is that sign still delivered? I believe that's done. Um, is it? I'll check while you talk. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, mate, they're nine points clear. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I can see them resting. Even if they go... Even if they do put a few first-teamers out there, I think it will be a few first-teamers out there. Um, and to be fair to Bath, they've been in good form recently. Um, they'll be going full noise, obviously, because they want to secure a top eight spot. Um, no, I reckon Bath are gonna gonna do it purely purely based on they're gonna be well up for it. Saracens will see it as a bit of a training ground fitness test, I imagine, um, which is the perks you get from being fast all season long. Um, so yeah, I think I think Bath. You think in Bath as well? I think it's difficult because this far out, we still don't know the team sheet. And obviously, when you look at Sarri's last two results, got kind of beaten fairly comfortably by Northampton, um, probably closer than it should have been given the red card. But um, when they had, they did put out basically a B team. Um, but then you look at comfortably beating a London Irish team at home when they put out a full team. So it is very, very... Um, Difficult, but ultimately, yeah, I I would tend to agree that I think Saracens probably will put out a second string team. Um, and yeah, if they do, the Bath should have Bath look to be building. Um, and what better way to be building and 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 like almost as a present to Finn Russell is to get them European um, champions rugby anyway uh, on the last day of the season. That'd be brilliant for them. Um, probably make Finn Russell a lot happier. And overall, just what has been quite a difficult season, suddenly it's got a... I, I think this is the same for Bristol, Bath and Gloucester. And what has been a difficult season, whoever does get that like eighth spot, um, I think suddenly the, the narrative around the season will definitely be different. Yeah, I think I think they will be for sure. And from a, from a neutral perspective, one that you, I think you touched on a good point there. One of the good things that we'd... Um, see from it is see Finn, Finn Russell's bath in the Champions Cup. You know, Finn Russell is a Champions Cup player. So it'd be an awful shame to see him as a personality not in the competition. Um, so, well, I yeah, think as well, would you get more coverage in the Challenge Cup? Because that's the thing. You don't get any... I, I think the semi-finals really were the first ones where you actually got coverage. And I know we haven't really, we haven't really spoken about it, but it's kind of a hard competition to cover when you don't see much coverage of it. Yeah, I think you um, yeah, I think you have to stream it, don't you? I think you can buy it from the the producers. So, I think I if not. if you follow the team, you can you can find the game. But if it's probably, I don't think many people are tuning into that. You know, just sort of because it's on. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so I am gonna go bath as well. Um, I think, yeah, why not? Um, at, at home, big send off, but. If Saris go full noise, <laughs> can I put a little asterisk by mine that if Saris go full noise, I want Saris. If it's Saris B team, I want Bath. No. Well, I tried to do that the other day, and you said no. So no, you cannot do that. Okay. Well, I'll go for Bath then. Yeah, uh, I'm going to go for Bath as well. And then the other like major game for top eight. Um, I mean, technically, there's some other. I think Quinns 
and maybe Exeter can actually fall out, but I doubt that will happen. But um, Bristol are hosting Gloucester. Uh, this is definitely not finishing top eight. Big game. Um, and obviously, I, I'd say Bristol have the advantage in the fact that it's at Ashton Gate. Um, but then Bristol have been in pretty dire form of late. But then so have Gloucester. Gloucester have probably been the worst. Well, this calendar year, I don't think there's any debate. Gloucester have been the worst team in the league. I think um, statistically they've been the second worst team, just above of Quinns. But yeah, they've been they've been poor, poor as putting it nicely. I, think. I don't think it's this calendar year. Surely, I think it is. Yeah, I think it's second half of the season. Because Gloucester have have won one. No, they beat Qu- they beat Quinns, I guess. Um, and then this calendar year they beat I. Oh no, they beat Irish on the last day of December. Um, so. No, they they've beaten Quinns this calendar year, and that, which is yes. pretty shocking. Yeah, it's not great at all. Um, yeah, both sides have been poor. Bristol have had a little spurt recently, but then dropped back off in the in the more recent times. Um, but I I think pure home yeah, advantage. Quinn, Apparently, Quinn, Thacker, Radrada, and Sinclair are all going to be fit for the match, um, which is obviously a big boost for the hosts. Um, Gloucester don't travel particularly well to Ashton Gate either. Quinns have won two games this calendar year. Yeah, I think Gloucester have won three, right? No, Gloucester have won one. Oh, right. Okay, so there you go then. So Gloucester in the Premiership. Good. In the Premiership, Gloucester have won one this calendar year against yeah, Quinns at home. That is diabolical, isn't it? That that is shocking. Um, yeah, that's atrocious. Yeah. Uh, I think it'll be Bristol. I think key, key names back. Gloucester don't typically travel well to Ashton Gate at the best of times in rotten form. Um, still missing some key players, especially up front. Yeah. But what I am looking forward to is Harris versus Rudrada. I think that'll be a very good battle in the 13 channel. Yeah. Newcastle have won two games as well. So, yeah. Gloucester this calendar year are the worst team. They're going to be the worst as well. Well, maybe. Maybe they might if you went for low, losing bonus points, they might be ahead. Maybe, but I I'm, can't be bothered to that. But yeah, if you just look at who's won the least games this calendar year, Gloucester have won. It's just horrible, horrible form. Um, it, and even some of the games when you think they've looked good, potentially against Sale at times, at Bath, first half, they just can't seem to buy a win. Um, should have beaten Newcastle, and that's just in the last three games. Um, when Newcastle were down to fourteen men for m- most of that game. Um, yeah. yeah, with the players coming back, Bristol have missed Semi Rodrada um in the last few weeks. Um, yeah, being being a big miss, and yeah, I think at home they'll probably have too much. I think. Um, but then it's so difficult. These teams are both. On their day can be excellent, as we saw. Well, we saw Bristol absolutely batter Northampton fairly recently, and obviously Gloucester were. I know they lost to Lara Shell, but were excellent that day. Um, and they both have quite good, uh, oh, uh, good fifteen at least. Yeah, it's tough. It's tough to call, isn't it, when you've got two teams in the in the situation that they are. So yeah. I think that's why I'm going strictly because who... it's a home performance. Yeah, you don't know what team's going to really. Like sometimes I feel I feel like Bristol, when they were off the back of those couple of wins where they put fifty on a couple of teams and you uh there were people talking about oh could they put a late charge for top four even, um 
and then they've just fell off ever since then and not really looked um good at all uh it's difficult i'm gonna go for gloucester why not okay i think okay. i think maybe they'll have enough um bristol like to play an expansive bit of type of rugby if they make a few mistakes that allows the other team in and if you make a few mistakes around the likes of Ollie Thorley and Reece Samet and Santi Guerreras, they can punish you. I mean, they're not particularly efficient at punishing you, but they can punish you. So um, I'm going to go for Gloucester. Okay, that's cool. That makes it a little bit different then because I've gone for Bristol, so we'll lock yeah. those two in. Uh, and then this should be a fun game. Um, Leicester Harlequins. As as Will is keen to remind everyone, Leicester technically don't have fourth, third place. Um, if... Quinns put 60 points on them, uh, then Leicester will be dropping to fourth. However, I don't believe that will happen. Um, could happen, mate. I it think... could happen. I just want, just want everyone to know the possibilities. Well, it'll be the, it'll be the last game at Welford Road this season, regardless. Because, um, obviously, their semi-final will be away. Um, so, I'd imagine they want to put a big send-off. Although, will they rest players? I don't know. Again, it's difficult. Mm. Maybe they'll rest players. Um, Maybe they'll rest some and then keep a few big boys on the bench just so yeah. if, if things do start to go awry and that 60 points somehow looks possible, they then put on some of the, well, the reinforcements. I'd imagine yeah, Charlie Charlie Atkinson would be a good one to start. We're obviously a very good player in his own right. Um, and... Yeah, that's it. Because you're not really losing stuff. It's not like you're trying a youngster who's just not played at all. You know? you're, no. you're putting in a, a but pretty solid player. Wrapping Andre Pollard in cotton wool. Exactly um, that, yeah. Because if yeah, you've got a, right. yeah, if you've got to go away to either Saracens or Sale, you're gonna need Andre Pollard at his best, aren't you? Yeah, definitely. Uh I'm gonna go for less just because Welford Road is such a hard place to go. Quinns again have been in bad form. Um they need that front football um to really play their best and open the game up with uh, Danny Care and well, if Care's fit, but uh, Marcus Smith as well. And you, you're not probably going to get that against Leicester. And also against Bath a couple of weeks ago, Quinns was so bad at defending. Um, school can score, but will look, looked awful at defending. And Leicester are kind of the opposite. Well, no, they score as well, but they're very, very good at defending. Um, so should be able to keep Quinns out. And if uh, the opportunity to Leicester to score that much, I think, I think they'll score. Yeah, I think I, I think you're probably right. Quinn's defence recently has been a bit of a revolving door, hasn't it? Just, just constant flow of uh of people running through it. So, yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna go Tigers as well. I think the Tigers game style is kind of ingrained in them as well. Um, it's it. I don't think it necessarily matters which 15 you've got. You're always going to get a similar play style, aren't you? So, I think even with a couple of reinforcements in. They'll still have enough to to do the job. Yeah, I mean, do you reckon Quinns need some new ideas going into next season? I don't know. Like, I, I feel like they've just it's difficult because they're man Gloucester. If you if you look back at at Christmas or the New Year, they were third and fourth, and looking they had a little bit of a gap below. And then this year they've been atrocious. Whether yeah, that's you've got to look at the attack coach as well moving to England. Don't know how how much influence he's now had on the team because I think he was still coming back to Quinns. Um, but I wonder how that's going to work. I don't know. Um, but 
Yeah, that, that's obviously a big thing. They've had some serious changes. But then you could say that with Leicester, who have had literal wholesale changes. So, yeah, yeah. maybe it's Leicester not Leicester have lost Steve Borthwick halfway through the year. And if anything, they've got stronger since. So, yeah, literally. Um, so, yeah, but yeah. I, th- I think Leicester will be comfortable in, in winning it. And then we go on to Irish Chiefs. For me, um, I think Exeter will probably be on a bit of a slump after last weekend. Uh their big game was last weekend trying to get to a European final. And Irish, just a really good overall team. Um, ultimately, their first half of the season form wasn't quite good enough. But if anything, they're one of the form teams of the Premiership. If if there'd been another couple of weeks in the in the Prem, they probably would have knocked Northampton out of out of um the top four. So yeah. um I think yeah, Irish have all the momentum are uh, Overall, the younger, more exciting, probably better team. Um, and whereas I feel like these two teams, it's, it sounds a bit harsh and extra. And obviously, they just made the European semi final, but they're kind of trending in opposite directions. Irish are going up and up and and look stronger each year um, with a, a new young players, and they may lose a few like Ollie Hassel Collins, but they've got replacements coming through. Whereas Exeter seem to be kind of doing the opposite, where they were this titan at the top and they're falling away and anything they're getting kind of weaker yeah to be honest I think it may sound a little bit controversial but I reckon Irish win this game and I reckon they hop skip and jump for it I reckon they're gonna give Exeter a proper hiding yeah I could see just based on the fact Irish have sort of their season is over but they're slightly disappointed with the last couple of weeks potentially could have gone better um Exeter's season is over, but I feel like they're just sort of head in the sand about it. You know, they're, they're like, their whole season has not really gone to plan, whereas Irish were so close to to touching that with a, with a hell of a surge of recent times. So I think Irish will be very, very keen to finish with a big old shift. Well, I think it's also down to expectations of the two teams. Exeter got used to for so long being, like a European semi-final for Exeter a couple of years ago was ex- expectation rather than a kind of shock. Whereas for Irish, just being in the Premiership, it, our points has been, oh, that's that's just the target, get stay in the Premiership. Um, and yeah, ultimately, Irish are big, fast, strong, aggressive, um, electric, and I can't use many of those adjectives for exit. Um, yeah, I think you're right, unfortunately. And yeah, unfortunately, I only see Irish winning and fairly, fairly comfortable. Um, and then on to the Last game, um, Sale are hosting Newcastle. Um, and again, I think Sale are just going to have too much, to be honest. Um, overall, just a dominant, dominant force. Uh, generally, if Newcastle get anything out of games, it's um, through uh, at least a bit of effort from the pack. And I can't see them getting anything through, from this from Sale. And obviously, we, we've got Rabwan and Mateo Carreras, who are always dangerous, but Sale's defence is excellent. Um, I am aware and I'm sure that ex- uh, Sale will rest some players, but I don't think it will really matter. I, I think they'll have too much um, for Falcons anyway. Yeah, I think you're right. I think um, Falcons are such a strange team because obviously we see like miraculous shifts for them like we did against Gloucester. And then we see them go and take 66 at home to Saints. So you really don't know what you're going to get with Falcons. And it would have to be a perfect performance, I think, for them to get anything at sale. 
um, obviously won the reverse fixture, didn't they, at Kingston Park? Um, so yeah, maybe it's just time. Yeah, I, I can't really call it to be honest, but they they didn't see them at the races at all against Saints. Um, so I can't see them bouncing back dramatic as dramatically as that, and then getting a result away at Sale. So I'd uh, yeah, I'd back Sale on that one. Yeah, and I think with Sale as well, it's just a bit of momentum, like um, going forward into the Premiership semi-finals. Um, hosting a team you don't want to go go into hosting a, I've uh, probably Leicester at home having lost to Newcastle the weekend before um that's not going to fill you with any confidence and do anyone in the team in the team any good um I think Saracens are slightly different when we talk about them because they've been there done it so often um that even if they say lost to Bath I'm not sure it affects them whereas Sale aren't as used to being in in this position um especially in recent years so yeah, I feel like they need to carry on the momentum um, and and get a win over Newcastle. I would say the one thing for me that Sale also need to figure out is whether they're going to play George Ford or Rob Deprez, because I know him since Ford's back they've played Rob Deprez at thirteen a lot. Um, but yeah, I still feel like shoehorning him in, and I I I think that he either needs to be in the team because he's his performance. And form means he can't be dropped, and that's at ten. And unfortunately, Ford, you, you you may be ultimately the better player, but based on performance this season, he's at ten. Or you need to go. Okay, that doesn't matter. Ford is the better player and allows us to play the best rugby. Because I think Sam James is potentially the player of the season for them. Um, he's right up there. I've every time I've watched him. And for me, when when they played either Rob DeFries or Ford at 10 and Sam James at 13, overall, they just looked so much stronger and, and, and more um, decisive and, and, and it's opened up the backs so much be- uh, so much better. And yeah, we're putting Sean and both of them into the team. You're taking away from both of them. And maybe that's why we, largely we've seen with George Ford, he's played with Rob DeFries at 13. And I don't think we've really seen George Ford have too many great games in a sale shirt. I think that's potentially what. Yeah, no, for sure. And I, I completely agree. I think what you need to look at first is getting Sam James into the team and then making a decision after that. Um, I know they got a win against Gloucester away from home, which was a big win for them, but I still don't I, I still don't like the structure of Ford and Dupree's playing 10-13 as much as I like what either one of them at 10 with Sam James um at 13. So yeah, I think sort out get get Sam James in the team first, and then f- figure out what ten you're going to use from there. Um, yeah, you know, but yeah, both options, of, it's a good headache to have, isn't it? Yeah, but they're kind of pussying around the position, uh, uh, or the, uh, the the decision, sorry, um, and going, ah, oh, well, just try and put both of them in. But I think you're taking massively away from the team, and yeah, Sam James, what he's offered this season has been unbelievable. Um, whether that's his passing, his decision making. Um, um, yeah, his link-up play with Manu has been great. So, yeah, overall, uh, uh, yeah, he's got to be in there. Yeah, completely agree. Completely um, agree. So, just to recap, we both think... No, yeah, we both think Bath are going to beat Saris. Will thinks Bristol will beat Gloucester, and I think Gloucester will win. We both think Leicester will beat Quinns. We both think Irish will beat Exeter, and both think Sale will beat Newcastle. So, ultimately, it comes down... To the Bristol Gloucester game. Um, yeah, I won't be nervous about that game anyway. Hey, I won't be nervous about that game anyway. Let alone putting uh, one of our predictions on it as well. 
And ultimately, um, we're coming towards the end of our predictions for the year. And I'm going to say I've won. Uh, <laughs> oh, right. Okay. So you've stopped keeping count and now you've just decided you've won. Yes, because recently I've been smashing you for about the last yeah. three weeks. To be fair, I would argue it usually, but I think you're right. I think you have absolutely hammered me. So I think it's closer than you think, but based on the last three weeks, I've won. So we might as well make that official. Um, all the games, well, two of the games, the Bath game and the Bristol game are on BT Sport. The rest of the games are PR TV, but they all kick off at four, which is a little bit annoying. They could have staggered them a little bit. I know it's the last game of the season, but... Yeah, so the Rugby Collective Challenge for you this weekend is to watch all of the games at the same yeah. time. Watch five right. games at the same time. Laptop, laptop, TV, phone, and another device. Tablet, maybe. There we go. Yeah. yeah. If someone does manage to do that, send it to us on one of our socials, because that is a serious achievement, and we'll give you a shout-out on the page, because yeah. that is a, a, hell yeah. of a, a hell of a gig, and I will be extremely jealous that you managed to do so. Would you prefer, just quickly before we end, would you prefer, I know it's the last day and they keep it all the same, um, but would you prefer if they staggered the times? I think if if there was a case of, say there was a big battle for top four with a couple of teams, and then there was a big battle for top eight as well, I think that would be really good. And then maybe like a relegation battle, but you can't predict that, can you? Um, no. So say like in an ideal world, you'd have say, I don't know, just making these up completely. Say you had Northampton and Leicester, playing on the on the final day whoever won got top four and then you also had Quinns versus Sale who were battling for top four so if those two games say kicked off at say half five or then you had a three o'clock kickoff for four teams which are competing for top eight that's that sort of thing would be really good right but I think it's just you can't really manage that in a realistic manner can you no and I think it's also dead to it's it's more of a football thing, I think, but um, obviously we've had it in the past. I think they've had it in the past where they staggered it, and then teams have known, oh, we need to win two one to get promoted, and then the other teams getting relegated. If the, if they lose two one, they stay up. So then they just stop playing. Basically, it gets to the score they need to stop playing. I think that's harder to manufacture in rugby, really. Um, but yeah. I guess maybe that could happen. But anyway, I don't know. It was just a thought. I was just I like, was like difficult for everyone to watch at the same time. Yeah, it is. It's not ideal, is it? But um, I think, yeah. It, well, there'll be some hardcore fans, like hopefully myself, who'll be trying to jump into as many games as possible just to see the way it goes. But in a fortunate manner of it, there's not too much up for grabs now, is there, outside of that top eight spot? No, which is a little bit disappointing because at one point this season, it looked like there could be, going into the last day, maybe six teams going to the top four. But Yeah, that would have been pretty unbelievable, wouldn't it? I would have been absolutely cacking my pants going into that day. But... Um, no, you're absolutely right. But yes, final day of the uh, regular season and then we'll go into the uh, Champions Cup final and then the, the Premiership playoffs as well, which is obviously going to be massive. It's the other way uh, around, isn't it? Was it? Is it premiership, final Premiership weekend now? Yeah, and then the semi-finals. Is it? I yeah. thought that was then the final. No, then the semi-finals, then the final, then the Prem final. Got you, okay. Are you sure? Yes, I'm looking at the dates. <laughs> oh, right, there you go then. We'll believe you then. Um, yeah, absolutely. Well, there's a lot of high-stake rugby coming up for you guys. Um, big weekend this weekend, obviously, with top eight teams looking for those European spots. I think you've got five teams who can mathematically get there, but you've probably got three who are realistically competing for it. 
Um, so they're all going to be desperate to grab that spot. Um, but yeah, hope you all enjoy this weekend of rugby. Even if you're a Northampton fan, is it, who's got a bye week? Um, hope you still enjoy the rest of the weekend of rugby as well. Um, but yeah, we will see you guys on the next one. Uh, bye. Bye.